0: When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations. I remember I used to work for an employer where I wore maybe a few too many bracelets and they made a really annoying noise. And turns out it was in the handbook that you could only wear one bracelet and I got reported to HR. That's just one of thousands of human resources situations that are forcing you to spend way too much time on dealing with HR when you should be spending time on making a profit. That's where Bambi comes in. Bambi puts your HR on autopilot to streamline your HR needs. Whether it's HR compliance concerns or dealing with a serious issue, Bambi gets your HR issues solved by a human resources manager instead of trying to figure it out for yourself and potentially putting your company at risk. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated human resources manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly, team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's dedicated HR managers are all based here in the US, so they give you access to the expertise you need with a personal touch. HR managers can easily cost 80 grand a year, but with Bambi, it starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free consultation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. So how do you get your dedicated HR manager? Visit Bambi.com right now. That's Bambi, slash one today. Have you ever given your business or organization's elevator pitch and then heard your employee deliver the pitch entirely different? It happens all the time. Ensuring your team is using the same consistent brand language is an important part of marketing your business, but it can be a challenging task to get everyone on the same page. That's where Text Expander comes in. Here's how Text Expander works. Step one, store it. Keep your company's most used emails, phrases, brand messaging, and URLs right within Text Expander. Step two, share it. Get your whole team access to all the content they need to use every day. Plus, you can organize it by department. And step three, expand it. Deploy the content you need with just a few keystrokes on any device across any apps you use. These powerful shortcuts and abbreviations help to streamline everything your team types. It's that easy. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more and get 20% off your first year. Let's face it. Living the one thing can be difficult. We've got some challenging principles. You've got to learn how to change your mindset. We've all experienced them sitting in this room. Let's talk about what those pitfalls are and how people can work through them.
1: Sounds good. Let's also. I just want to highlight it's challenging, but it's also highly rewarding, which makes the challenges (sighs) worth overcoming. Yes. Um, If you're, if I get to go first, since I get to be here today, you're the guest. There we go. I'm the. When I'm trying to diagnose why someone is struggling to live the one thing, I'll kind of go through a progression and they kind of build on each other. And the first thing I'll try to explore is are they really clear about where they're going? Right. So most of the time, I find out the vast majority of people lack clarity and generality like kills planning, it kills execution. Like you need to be clear and specific. So we can go deeper on that. If they are clear, I find that their path is very unfocused. They don't really understand what it'll take to get them where they want to go. Right? The activities, we can go deeper into that. If they're clear and they're really focused on the right things, the next thing they look up is they don't have time. Right? They, they lack actually two skills. They don't know how to time block, and then they don't know how to protect those time blocks. And you all have both been living the one thing. You understand those are separate skills. It's one thing to put it on your calendar, it's another thing to protect it once it's there and, and live it. So, I, I usually walk through that, and that takes care of about eighty percent. We figure out where the problem is, and then say, "Why don't you try this on going forward?"
0: So let's start with clarity, since that's probably where most people would fall—is really not having a clear understanding of what their one thing is.
1: Well, let's uh, in the one thing, it's got two meanings, right? mm Hmm right? Like, what's my one thing in the really big sense? Like, why am I here? Um, I'm usually addressing this more in the context of um, goal achievement. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not clear about even where they're going, where they're starting, or why they're on the journey in the first place. So when you're looking at someone's goals, like, I'm really trying to do X, and I'm living the one thing, but it's not working, that's how we got here. And I'll say, let's talk a little bit about your goal itself. And I often find, like, I think about goals as going from point A to point B. Point B is the destination. Like, will they know they've arrived? Are they clear enough about the goal to know, like, I've actually crossed the finish line? And might be true. That's actually a little easier for people to focus on this vision of what success looks like. Are they clear about where they're starting? Like, if I'm trying to get to Miami, it makes a big difference if I'm starting in Pittsburgh or if I'm starting in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I think a lot of people are kind of delusional about where they're starting. So, like, let's take an honest assessment. Where are you? So we can really now see, like, how far do we have to go? And mm-hmm. how long are we giving ourselves? And the last missing ingredient is why. And, uh, like, we can go deep on that. And let's, let's kick this one around a little bit. But why often I find the biggest clarity on, I'll just ask him, so, Chris, you know, if you don't make it to Miami, what, what happens? And I'm looking for a consequence. And if they said, well, I'll just go to Cleveland instead, then I'm like, okay, there's not much motivation to get there. Mm. And then they need to be clear, like, why did you set this goal in the first why did you want to go to Miami again instead of Cleveland? Because maybe you should just be going to Cleveland.
2: Yeah. And so the the why is really interesting. So you you need to understand like the purpose behind the goal itself, because that's gonna be the motivation, the driver. I see I see that and I see the the challenge people have with setting a goal that has good dimensions around it almost like the the strength right like the goal is strong enough so you know what success looks like you talked about have you arrived like will you be able to measure whether or not you achieved your goal but also understanding there's like different kinds of goals right there's there's there are process oriented goals and there are uh, end state goals and I think it's important to clarify what kind of goal you've set for yourself, so that you are capable of really breaking it down. What? Well, give me an example of those, I man. I know you're
1: training a lot of folks. Like, give me. Can you give me an example of what those like a different sets of goals might Absolutely. be?
2: Absolutely. So I, I view just like you, many goals are like an end state. It's a destination. It's a place you want to get to. Right. And right. I, I want to get from you know New York to LA, or or I forget, forget the cities you use. And, right. You know where are you starting from, so that you can locate yourself to figure out the path to get there. It makes breaking that goal down like you can you can identify the cities along the way or the checkpoints to getting to that goal. And that's one type of goal. So when you're thinking about designing your plan of action, you need to be aware of that. The other kind or an other kind of goal is more of a process oriented goal where it's I need to do a certain amount of things like I need to create make 100 sales calls per month.
1: Yeah, for the okay. next
2: so so then you have to think about how you break that goal down differently and not conflate those two things oh that makes sense because mm-hmm. some things
1: like the destination goals are things that once you get there you've checked that box and you may be going completely separate the the process oriented goals are more about setting up a system or a habit and staying consistent that makes total sense when you put it that way
2: yeah and you nailed it where I was where I was gonna go next is that one really leans on the ability to form a habit on it you know a a certain frequency and that's the process type goal. And so being aware of that, you need to leverage that skill of identifying that small habit you need to build. Both true in both cases, um, probably in some sense, but certainly with a process goal. That, I love that you're highlighting that. Um, I think
1: it's one of the superpowers of this book In this process is pointing people less into doing and more into being. And that's kind of the language we talk about. Like, you know, like instead of working on getting into 100 push-ups, which is a destination goal, can I just become the kind of person that works out every day? Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm never very far away from 100 push-ups. Having done that goal a couple of times, like it does take more than just going to the gym. Um, and I cannot, don't test me, I'm not able to do it now. <laughs> but like that, the, the habits that create who we are Those habitual, uh, they're highly underrated because I think
2: a lot of people like those destination goals because then they're on to the next thing. Mm. I think there's a relationship between those that could serve each other. Like maybe there's a, and and if you're out there and you you can relate to this, that you may have a goal you need to set that is a process-oriented goal that will help you get to your destination. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so a listener is like, yes. I lack clarity. That's me. 100%. How do we help them to gain that clarity?
1: Well, I think we we go back to the focusing question. Um, my great fear when we were writing the book for like four and a half years, Gary had been coaching to this thing for over a decade, like using the focusing question for a long time.
0: Remind people of what the focusing question is.
1: Are you testing me? I am. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And to break that down a little further. You're asking your brain very clearly, what's the one thing? Not what could I do? What could it, should I do? Any of those broader, like, what's the one thing I can do? That means you can currently, you're asking what I can currently do. Not what I could do in the future or would do if I have the time. It's funny how that little bit of specificity gets you to the answer faster, such that by doing it, everything is easier or necessary is really about you're looking for the, the the most levered activity you have. So when you think about the 80-20 principle, what's that one thing that knocks over a bunch of dominoes for me, right? It's that, it's that action that has the biggest impact that's currently in my arsenal. So that's the focusing question. And I was afraid a lot of people would know the answer. And after having taught this to tens of thousands of people now, the feedback I get most frequently is that they knew the answer, but they weren't asking the question. We're so busy. We're so caught up in our daily lives. We're not stopping to ask, should I be on this path? What path should I be on? And frankly, I think people use that massive activity and busyness as a place to hide.
2: Mm.
1: Well, I'm being really busy Look at all I'm doing. And that saves them from maybe the hard work of realizing they might be doing the wrong things or that distressing realization. But I think the payoff is definitely worth it if you are willing to ask the question, is this really where I want to be going? Where should I be going? And then, you know, get those questions in place.
0: It's really about having an honest conversation with yourself. You better be ready to be real because if you're not, I mean, you could end up somewhere where you don't want to be.
2: If you're if you're asking yourself and you're listening like to this, wondering like I don't even know where to start. Like I want to I want to I wanna be able to think big. I want to be able to set goals. You're talking about dimensions of goals, but I, I don't even know where I want to focus in my life to point this focusing question. Like where do, where does the laser point? A great tool you can use is the seven circles, and the seven circles can be a calibration for you at any point to just check in and understand like how am I doing in my life? And you look at that—that that, those seven circles like a lens for, for calibrating how you're performing in those areas relative to your own perspective. So,
0: well, I think the seven circles for those who are unaware of what we're referring to are the seven areas in your life that need focus. So you've got your spiritual life, you've got your health, you've got business, Oh God, I might need help getting through all the rest. <laughs> Hold on, I can do it. I can do it. Health, spiritual, business, self, or personal relationships. I just looked at it. Today. You got it. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah, <laughs> your, your,
2: your spiritual life, like what, like your. I I refer to it as your your kind of operating system, like how you you view the world. You've got your personal life, like the things that fulfill you outside of work. Mm-hmm. You've got your key relationships. I like to say, and I don't know if this is how it resonates with you, but it's those those people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. If you look at, uh, call it the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, you've got your job, like how you contribute to the business that you may be working in. You have your business, which...
0: I find that really confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay, please, let's have a dialogue about this so we sure. can have some clarity. Not to keep well, going let's get into into the for those who uh, Okay.
1: And I'm just going to point out you skipped one too.
2: I'm just going in my own mental order, but you you go ahead. Why why don't you take us home? But
1: these are somewhat arbitrary, but they've proven to be fairly true. We just ask the question. It's page 114 in the book. It's the only page I have memorized, right? Because we've I've gone back to it so many times. Is like asking the focusing question is not about like choosing what show to stream on Netflix tonight. It could be, but like it's bigger bigger things. And so we we ask the question. What are the areas of our life that are truly impactful and resonate throughout our life, foundational, that we really want to get right? If we have a chance to get extraordinary in only a handful of things, where do we think we might want to aim that superpower? So we thought the foundation was your spiritual life, right? And I like what you said, your operating system. It doesn't have to be religion, but for most people it is. Your physical health and your mental health, just health, number two. Then your personal life. Like, what do I do in order to create, you know, my own space for myself when I invest time in just myself? Then your key relationships, your job, your business, and your finances. And so, job and finances. Sarah's quick to point out is like people like job and business. What the heck's the difference? Mm-hmm. Well, this is a product of the fact that my co-author and partner Gary, he's always fundamentally writing to a business owner in his Mm. mind he's an entrepreneur and he wants to speak to them it doesn't mean it doesn't speak to everyone else so the entrepreneur has always asked what's the one thing for my business that doesn't mean that's their job Mm -hmm. their role in the business may be very separate from that so it was separating those two things Mm. so when i'm talking to entrepreneurs that's how i frame it when i'm talking to employees i usually say what's your one thing right? Your job, like the number one activity that drives your success. And then do you understand what the one thing is for the business you work in? And it's usually in their motto, right? You know, Southwest Airlines, right? It's about giving people freedom, right? And they want to, tr- to you're now free to move about to the country. They, they try to focus on removing the friction from travel. So whatever that is, like, how does my job connect to that? Mm-hmm. And so, knowing that even if you're not the business owner, is a great job aid. Does that help at all?
0: Yeah, absolutely. For somebody that might be a caretaker, right? Uh, Stay at home moms and dads out there, would their caretaking fall under job? Could it potentially?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that if their their role, like if my job right now is to be to manage the home business then the business is our family. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I mean, I look at one of our partners, Jeff, like, that's a complex business he's running. Like, we stopped at two kids. I can't imagine going that far, right? <laughs> and, you know, like, I look at some people's families, and that's a that's a big job. Mm-hmm. I remember the gift I got from one of my coworkers when we had our second child, and Wendy chose to stay home. She left her. That was just a choice she chose to make, and I'm so happy she did. My friend Mike, who had three kids... Said, Jay, never forget, as tired as you are when you get home, she had a harder job today. Mm. No matter how worn out you are, never make the
2: mistake of thinking your job was harder than her job. And so, anyway, it's a job. I think an important thing to remember if you're trying to utilize the seven circles is it's it's whatever it's relevant to you like it's however it matters to you the the ultimate purpose of this is to give you the opportunity to calibrate and look at introspectively yourself in areas of your life you may want to focus and bring some alignment to where are you on the journey in each one of these so it's whatever whatever it means to you it's just a general framework to help you identify how you're doing and give you a tool to to focus or to point. Some intention on on making growth. I agree. I think mean, that's a it's a good
1: diagnostic tool that we get people to use. So of all of these areas, where do you feel like you have the biggest opportunity? If people just have nowhere idea where to start, going back to this clarity, mm-hmm. clarity sometimes is just picking a direction and starting there. Cause it can be overwhelming of all the things that you could do, like what Really, should you be focused on today?
0: Well, yeah, I look at the seven circles. I'm like, all those areas need my attention. <laughs> it, it, <the laughs> but that's lo- common.
2: That's really common.
0: And so for those people that feel similarly, you know, it's really great advice, Jay, from you to say, like, just pick a direction and go in it. Um, if you're feeling like key relationships is is where you want to spend the most of your time or perhaps finances, you're in a sticky situation, you need to get through, just pick a circle and yeah. Go with
2: it. Yeah, and what what we find too is like maybe you have maybe your personal finances are, are or your finances is is really strong, but you've got a wedding that you have coming in this year, and you you really Sounds need to, <laughs> and you really need to be able to uh, focus some intention and some goals around that, even though you may, uh, and this is something that. W- I recommend people do is I have them rate the circles, you know, in, in any system, just so you can have a relative gauge against each one, if it's zero to 10 or whatever. And you might give a five in three areas. But like in the in the example I just mentioned, maybe finances is nine, but you know, you have something going on that you need to focus there regardless. So it's really just to help you, I think, as Jay said, have that diagnostic. That's actually a great example. Like, you know, a lot of people they may be great in like
1: personal finance, but something like a wedding can set them backwards if they're not careful. Mm-hmm. It's just a good reminder that no matter how you might rate yourself on a normal day, the environment we're working and living in is always changing. And so like that's one of the reasons we use that tool so frequently in our work is because it gives people like a snapshot. It's like, how am I doing right now? Because we are in a moving kind of elemental thing. I want to give an alternate. Like If we don't want to go all the way down the path of being... Very, you know, methodical around using the seven circles, which is a great tool. It's right there in the book for people to play with. I mean, the real simple answer for people is like, I don't even know where to start, is who do you think you could ask that knows you well enough that you might trust with the answer? Mm. That takes a little bit of humility. Like, this may not work with your 15-year-old right now. But (laughs) I think that a lot of us have someone, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's an old friend, If you ask them, like, what should I be doing? You can trust them to tell you the hard truth. It just takes us being willing to be a little vulnerable, but hopefully it's a really close relationship. It might be a pastor, it might be a coach, it might be a mentor, it might be a friend. But I sometimes think the people who aren't inside our box see the label for what it is, whereas sometimes we're kind of too close to it. So maybe be willing to get perspective from the outside is a great path for people.
0: Is that question that you should be asking, what should I be doing with my life? Or is it whatever whatever you feel comfortable asking? I know that that was very specific, but...
1: <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's in my experience, people get completely lost on the big questions. They don't get lost on what movie we're streaming tonight. All they end up doing is watching a lot of previews and never getting around to watching a show. That's what happens, right? And it's not a disaster. But with their career, is this the right relationship for me... Right? There are big decisions that feel very stressful and people don't know where to begin. And most of those, while they feel uniquely painful to us, are actually quite common. And not only are there a lot of other people who've gone through them who might be able to share their journey, there's sometimes even professionals that can help you. What should I do with my career? Well, there are people out there that will coach you towards that. Mm-hmm. Some of them who work pro bono. But you can also go to your friends and say, look, if you were to... Bump into me to five years from now, where do I work? Well, of course, you work in some sort of book business, Jay. Like you've been obsessed about it your whole life. Like a lot of times they see the obvious truth that's hiding or we're afraid to look at. So that that's just my point. It's, it's just usually a big question. And it takes you being willing to be a little vulnerable. But usually the people who know us best are people we're okay being
2: vulnerable around. So we know we need to get clear. Yeah. Getting clear means... Have an idea of where you want to go. And to do that, we need to know where we are today. And why the journey is worthwhile. And why the journey is worthwhile to get you up and out of bed and on track for your goal. Yeah, Some tools you can utilize to gain clarity or at mm-hmm. least to start down this path. Seven circles is a, is a wonderful tool to calibrate. Uh, utilize your sphere if you have someone that you trust that can give you some some direction or at least tell you the honest truth mm-hmm. about Areas of maybe you want to focus to help set that goal. What else do you see that's common uh, in the pitfalls or challenges? I'll just throw one out, and it's a slow path as trial and error,
1: which is what a lot of people do. We'll just go mm-hmm. try something, and it might work, or at least you'll get closer to the truth. But being not doing anything should never be an option. Um, I think when people have clarity, I think a lot of times they don't know how to connect their clarity about whether it's a process or a destination goal to like an actual activity that'll get them there. And that truly can be something, it might be harder to find the answer. Um, And you may have to experiment or go talk to people. But if you want to become a professional writer, like I've done that, like you need to be writing all the time. You need to read and write a lot. Those are the activities that lead you to that. Reading alone won't do it. Reading is important because we get to experience great writing and hopefully we're learning from it, but the writing is essential. If you're going to be a programmer, you're going to have to code. If you're going to be a professional tennis player, you're going to have to get out on the court and hit some balls. Like there's some obvious truths that sometimes feel so obvious people look right past them. But the big mistake I see is people like they just don't get clear on an activity that gets them where they want to go. They write down an outcome. I want to reduce my stress or I want to become this. This. They really need to be thinking about a focused activity they can commit to to get some there. Like if you want to get the old the metaphors of Miami or you want to go to LA, it's only a few choices. You're going to get on a bus, you're going to get in a car, you're going to have a very long walk or a very long ride, or you're going to get on a plane. There's are not that many options. Which one do you want to choose? So get going.
2: Yeah, I love that. the A way that I've found success explaining it is destination right the goal where you want to get to the checkpoints along the way or more like these these maybe monthly goals or these places that are like checkpoints to that destination or, or waypoints to ultimately achieving your goal and then you have these activities that you need to participate in at a weekly level uh, or even daily that are, are really more like put gas in the car you know and and things like that and and understanding how to Think big at your goal, but then go small to the activities. And and I think that's where sometimes people are challenged to understand like what does it mean to go small and what we talk about around a lead domino? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it sounds like you're experiencing it all the time. I think it's it's not a muscle anyone's taught to
1: use. How do I break this down to the simplest set of activities to to move forward? I just think let's not complicate it. Let's keep it simple. What do I actually need to be doing to be making progress towards this goal? And our process allows people to kind of refine that over time.
0: Okay, so let's say we're talking to somebody who has the clarity that they need, but they're really struggling in the focus section. Mm -hmm. How do we help those folks?
1: I think I usually go straight to what activity would you regularly take? Do you think that slow or fast would get you there? Start with an answer. And you can then kind of work through, is there anybody in your world that's done that before? Is there anyone that you could read about or study that's done that before? And the clues are usually out there. I mean, that is the truth. If you're willing to go look a little bit under the hood, it's usually a conversation with somebody. Like, I thought I was going to be in law at one point. And my parents were nice enough to introduce me to someone. I said, I'll introduce you, but you have to ask. And I asked, can I shadow you for a day, Mr. Benham? And I was like, I got one look at what lawyers actually do every day. It wasn't Perry Mason. Can you believe that? It was, no, I'm not going to do that. But like, you just have to go ask someone, what does that look like? And then decide if that's going to be right for you.
0: Well, and I think, you know, from a grade school or college level, we teach people to do that, right? We have career development where you have the ability to go out and shadow and ask those questions. And as adults, it's almost like we are scared to do that.
1: Well, that's that's a great truth in life Sarah like usually like a great test is like what would you tell your kid mm. and people will immediately get to the hard truth like if it's my kid I'd be like you know what you need to go shadow three or four people before you become a mas- massage therapist find out if you can stand touching people's feet like understand what the reality looks like but we rarely take our own advice and so I think that's just a truth in life and and because one of the good things about being an adult is we don't have to take our advice. But if we're on a journey and we're committed, that goes back to that why. That's where I go back. Well, remember, this is really important to you because mm-hmm. if we know why, then we're willing to do some of those hard things.
0: There are so many things to do during the summer and you want to free up as much time as possible to enjoy them. So if you're a business owner, the last thing you wanna do is sort through tons of unqualified candidates' resumes when you could be, well, I don't know, watching your Corgi play in the mini fountain you recently got at Target while sipping on margaritas. Yes, welcome to my summer. That's why you need ZipRecruiter to find great candidates. They do the work for you and now you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash one thing. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that make it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. No wonder ZipRecruiter is rated the number one hiring site based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of January 1st, 2022. So soak up all that summer has to offer and let ZipRecruiter do the work. Ready for the URL? It's ziprecruiter.com slash one thing. That's where you can try it for free. Again, that's ziprecruiter.com slash O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. That motivation piece, I think, is such a huge piece that maybe we're the why, you know, that maybe we're not talking to enough, you know, really understanding why you want to move towards this goal, why you're setting this goal. Um, And having that very clear understanding will help to propel you towards it versus hold you back from it.
1: Yeah. I think you can't motivate people. I think that's a myth but I think you can help them tap into their existing motivation. Most people aren't just, aren't that self-aware and that's okay. Like it's like, we don't need to be constantly checking in with why am I doing this? That's a little yeah. crazy. I'm I'm a little neurotic that way. That's how I got here. But it is like something we need to just a muscle. We need to have somewhere out there where we can ask the question, why is this important to me? If it's something really big, because most big things won't happen in one week are one month. Like, if I want to go through college, that's going to theoretically be three or four years. If I'm getting a PhD, it's going to be eight. Like, things that are stretching out there, those are the things where you really want to
2: equip yourself with. Have I really been honest about why I'm pursuing this? Maybe sometimes the answer is really simple, and it's so simple, you second-guess whether or not it's correct. Mm -hmm. it, it It could just be exactly what you think, and if that's enough motivation for you, box check, let's roll. Yeah, I just like be aware of it, go date it for a while,
1: right? Write it down with a goal. And if, if it's not working, then you know it's not the
2: right answer. I, I mean, I know for me, some, like with becoming familiar with our system and tools and, and the one thing as I was getting spooled up on, on my journey, I found myself doing that too. I'm like, dude, wow, this is my why like powerful enough and deep enough? And I just found myself coming back to, I'm like, am I motivated enough to do it? Yep, answer, good. You know, like that's, that's ultimately it. I don't always, it doesn't, I think it's important to know that it's relative to you. Is it motivating enough for you? And are you clear on where you want to go? And I think that's enough. Yeah. Motivation is not comparative.
1: Like you don't, I remember when I was, you hang out with a bunch of writers and you read about writers like they all went through some horrible disaster in their life and they, you know, maybe they smoke cigarettes and drink scotch till midnight and then they start writing their poetry or whatever. Like Stephen
2: King. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I'm like, that's actually not the recipe. The recipe is they wrote every day. You didn't have to have all of that other baggage. That was specific to them and they wrote about it and that's how we know about it. So like, like don't, don't borrow other people's motivation. Just mm. ask. And it's not comparative. It's just you. What motivates you? Like a lot of what motivates me is really corny. But I'm just going to be honest about it. Like, I don't like disappointing people.
0: What motivates you?
1: I don't oh. like disappointing people.
0: Yeah, I understand.
1: Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm going to say, if I tell you I'm going to do it, like, I'm very motivated to be in integrity to that statement. And, okay, go figure. Like, but that is, like, one of my mental tricks for knowing that I'm committed to something. Like, did I make that commitment? And then I have to be courageous when I find
2: out that's the wrong commitment. I have to go and be very direct about it. Mm. Really ties back to your core values. And we talk a lot about that. But I mean, that's yeah, that can be a real inspirational source of knowledge for you around motivation. Is is it in alignment with your core values? Yep. So like if we're gonna go back and just not beat this, flog this dead horse
1: forever, but like let's get clear about where we're going and why, you know, and and if you can where you're starting, let's get focused on what are the things that I have to do and be honest with ourselves about that. I think the last two are like kissing cousins, because we we often teach them together is, have you dedicated time to doing this? Do I have time? And am I protecting that time? And I, I wondered when we were first writing the book, like whether well, those are two separate conversations, but like Gary had coached thousands of thousands of people and he was very aware that people will make commitments and even write things down on their calendar and then just not live their calendar. Like that's a whole separate set of behaviors. So I'll show you how this shows up in my world a lot of times because I I get to manage people. And I'll say like, all right, who wants to be the next host of the podcast? Hey, something in your lives. People will raise their hand and say, me, coach, put me in. Like one of the things I'll know is like a lot of times it's the busiest people who volunteer for the task because they're already committed to, to contributing a lot. I want to pull them aside and ask, great. I love that you want to do this. Do you know when you're going to do it? And that's when you get that look in their eyes like i know i want to but they they realize they're already overcommitted. Most people are already overcommitted in their lives. So this idea of navigating your time and asking what am i saying no to to say yes to this? When specifically will i do it? Like when people get clear about that, that's a massive like rubber hits the road moment for me and that journey of you want to write a novel great when you're going to do it well i'm going to get up an hour early and i'm going to try to write for 30 minutes every day like i love that plan great go do that plan you know when specifically it's daily you can there's all we can go deep on you can build habits but like that first step of committing to the time you've got it you got to put it out there otherwise it just won't happen i think you mentioned this earlier sarah about you think it's a two-hour task, but when you actually sit down and look at it, you're like, oh, crap, this is like a 20-hour task. Mm-hmm. That little process of navigating the time it's going to take to do it, even no matter how tricky that is, like, without that, it doesn't get done.
2: Yeah, that's that, that assess, check, and adjust. It's so important, you know? It, what is that? It, what is that? Assist, what, check, assess, and adjust? Assess, reassess, and check and adjust. You know, it's... it. That like,
0: sounded like a Michael Scottism. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering
2: I was wondering if that was like a
1: pilotism or something. So oh. you said it like I should know what it is. That oh, sounds no. like a recess, <laughs> recess whatever. So oh, okay.
2: walk, walk me through that. Well, like to put it all on a bumper sticker, it's like figure out where you want to go. Right. First, then what is it gonna take to get there? And what are the high ROI activities that I can identify that are gonna give me the the eighty percent of the weight of my results, the 80-20, right? Mm-hmm. What are the 20% ROI activities that are gonna give me the 80% of results to get there? That's that's the path. You know, then how do you identify and create the space and time to make it possible and honor that time? Which is the last step. Yeah, Then yeah, exactly.
1: I, I don't wanna overcomplicate this idea of creating space. I love the way you just said that. Like, I think about blocking my calendar, which is literally what I do. It's like I go and I make appointments with myself to do whatever it is I said. And i found that myself and a lot of people, if they put something on their calendar, that is a pretty good starting point. Like, your phone will vibrate 15 minutes before you're supposed to do it. Like, it's like my son, I asked him how he remembered to do his task. I didn't even know this. He goes to his phone and he creates a new alarm and he labels the alarm, walk the dog, so, in a 24 hour period, I was like, well, you just taught me a fun little productivity hack I didn't know was possible. But I said, you realize that only works in a 24 hour time period. Mm-hmm. Like, you will remember to close the garage door or whatever it is I told you to do today or tomorrow morning. And he goes, yeah, I probably need a system for next week. And I said, yeah, it's <laughs> called <the> a calendar.
2: <laughs> um, but we're, we're getting there, right? Um, common pitfall. Sorry, I didn't have TJ. No, I was going to say, common pitfall I see or hear about with time blocking. And customers that even ones that are highly experienced and and listening to our process and process and get motivated by it, want to hit the ground running, so they over block their calendar. They they try to bite off too much, fail to honor their time blocks. We were talking about that before we started mm-hmm. recording. Like, mm-hmm. like do you all have white space on your calendars? Mm-hmm.
1: Because if you're doing big things and like when well, we usually teach people to do the big stuff early in the day, um it's going to unwind all the things you didn't anticipate, that other 18 hours that Sarah mentioned on Mm -hmm. the two-hour task. Like, that stuff starts to show up. That's when it's going to get handled, is in that slack time. Mm. So it is really important. So I do think people overcommit their time. That leaves them no space for the unexpected. Um, And I also think that they block their most important task on their calendar. They try to create space where they don't control that space. So if you're in a...
0: Sorry. I was going to ask you to dig into that as you're digging into that and I totally you did it. stepped on your toes. No,
1: no. It's a, it's a sign that you really want that answer. I do. I think a lot of people do. And I think it's uh, you ask people why can't you complete your time blocks? The first thing they'll say is I can't control my time. My boss calls me into a meeting or whatever that. So, I usually try to get people, I said that's tough. I get it. You have a job. You don't have 100% control of your time, and habits are easy to undo. You did it four days in a row, and the fifth day your boss blew up your schedule, and then Monday it felt like you would lost your momentum, and it was hard to restart. Like that's how that's how momentum works. Start by working in time that you do control. Right? If your dog, if your boss shows up at six and is there till six, right? You know that you're on. If you're unwilling to go in before or after then you're going to have to do it out of work, where you're out of sight or out of mind and can reasonably say, I was away from my phone. And we hear about this, people who, you know, go to law school at night because they want to improve their lives or I, I, because I'm a nerd and I'm a writer, I read about people who wrote novels on trains going to work or got up early and did it. Like there are moments in our days where we do have a lot of control. And so find them. Like I, somebody was asking me, like, why do I do so many activities between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. is I know that my partner, Gary, has a series of executive meetings early in the day, and I am unlikely to get anything urgent from him until at least 10 a.m.
0: That's such a pro hack, and I definitely follow suit of that, where I will look at the most important people on our team's calendars and then block my biggest rocks or or my biggest priorities whenever they're in their big meetings so that I know they're not going to call me and I can get something done distraction-free.
1: Every EA, I'm just going to validate what you just said, Tara, every EA I've ever worked with if you ask them and they were being honest, like, when are you most productive is when Jay's
2: on the road. <laughs> you have to keep it relative to you as well. I mean, this is well represented in the book about, about willpower, but, you know, looking at your calendar and where you block time for your most important things. Yes, the variables about, you know, your your interdependencies, your boss, but also know where you're going to have your strongest mental effort and energy. True. And I mean, the, the research shows that we're more likely to do hard things
1: consistently earlier in the day,
2: mm-hmm. whatever
1: early represents for us. If you get up at noon every day, that's your morning. Like, I don't want to judge. Like, it doesn't have to be an hour. If you're a lark, you're a lark. If you're an owl, you're an owl. I've found great benefit from being a lark because there's a lot fewer of them. And if you're waking up at noon, the world's already been texting you for about three hours. You're behind the curve. <laughs> right. But if you wake up at 5 a.m., I Unless somebody was texting me late at night, I got nothing waiting for me other than spam in my email folder, and I've got a few hours that I can control. So I'm biased, but I also know that people get it done both ways. Just get it done early in your day when you have the ability to say yes when you may not want to say yes. That's what willpower does for you.
0: Well, and then the last step in all of this is protecting it, right? We set these major priorities on our calendar. We have these blocks. We've said, okay, I'm going to set two hours to start writing my novel. But if you go into that and you let it all fall by the wayside and you say yes to people who come knocking on your door at that time, you're not protecting your time block.
1: So the, like one of the strategies we already hit was maybe a forecast of this. I think if you start with time that you have a huge degree of control mm-hmm. over, you're protecting it from the get-go. Like when my wife and I first started working out, We started working out at 5 a.m. Because we knew our kids would both be dead to the world. (laughs) (laughs) And they wouldn't be able to interfere with us. Like, they just, unless they were sick, they did not get up for several hours. So we just tried to create a time where the thing that was most likely to interfere with us would not interfere. And then we talk about, like, it really depends on the kind of activity. You know, are there places where you tend to have more focus? You know, like... We're in the luxury of recording in a studio with microphones and everything. Like, this feels like a very focused environment for this activity. It seems like a best practice. Now you look up, maybe writing, you find a a groove where you go write. If you're presenting, like, and you're preparing to present, Chris, and like, do you have a ritual? Like, a lot of times you talk to experienced people, you'll find they have rituals. And that's where they've figured out they can go and preserve their focus to do this important thing.
0: Well, and I think for a lot of people who, during COVID, things shifted and they started working from home, protecting your time block became even more challenging and important at the same time because you've got a screaming kid at home. If you're like me, you've got a tiny puppy that's running around and biting your ankles. (laughs) There are just so many possible distractions Working around that has even become such a challenge.
1: That's so real. That's and it's so true. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you'll, like I've had in the last couple of years, someone who's working from home, literally, I can see that they're in their car. And it's not that they're in transit. It's that the house is too chaotic for them to actually be doing work in their home. So I got back to an office environment as fast as I could because I'm actually not very focused in those environments. Like, it's very important for me to have what we call a bunker, Mm -hmm. Like, if I can go and face the wall or the corner or whatever, like, where I don't have distractions,
2: I'm a lot better. I heard an interesting challenge with the transition from, to work from home, from office life that I hadn't thought about, which might be interesting here. And it was uh, the owner of a, a company that we're working with, and he had identified that having their team work from home meant they could be less oriented on the the how things were getting done and had to be more oriented on where they wanted to get to and that they had a gap in the ability for people to self-identify the how. And I'll try to bring this back full circle. If you think about when you're working in an office, like it's inherently, you're there in an office together because you want to kind of force some of the how into how you achieve goals into the equation. And by forcing an environment and forcing behaviors, but when you shift to work from home, now there's little to no insight or oversight on how how people are creating productivity at home. You really have to be focused on where they need to get to in a period of time. So there's a new solve that needs to happen around a framework of creating how and, and, and supporting people and how they get to their goals. And I think that really ties back to being first clear on where you need to get to so that everyone knows what success looks like and then supporting the focus and the tools and the path to achieving them. I love that and
1: I just, I wanna be, for me, I don't really weigh one or the other. I think it's something we learn about ourselves. I know people that are far more productive in a home environment doing their work. And some people like me that are more comfortable and more productive in a public. Like I like having witnesses. Like I said, I told you before, disappointing some people is not good. So, like, I tend to do better when there's a witness. That's just, I've learned that in 52 years of being on this earth, that that's true for me. And I just play with it for what it is. There's some work task, like, you know what? If you're doing food processing, sorry, you don't get to do that from home. You need to be in the kitchen, right? There's some work that could lend itself to one or the other, and some that don't. And so, I just think that is something that people have to work out for themselves. But we have to ask the question if, I don't have a choice about where I do the work. I have to now be strategic on how do I approach it from when and where so that I have the best ability to do it. So, how do I keep people from distracting me? Mm-hmm. Um, do I have everything I need to do the job that I said I was going to do? Because a lot of times, us futzing around and getting everything just perfect, you know, it's like that's just an excuse for working. What did you do today? Well, I set up my work for tomorrow. Let me to tell you about that. <laughs> no, like I could, I can play that game all day. I can research before I write for a decade, but at some point you have to, you have to get to the task. Um, I think maybe the most effective way is if you're in an environment with other people, is to figure out how your win is a win for them. How do we get aligned on this? Mm. And I've done a lot of bribing with kids, right? <laughs> right. If you'll just watch this DVD for an hour, or if you'll leave mom and dad alone for this period of time, we all get to do this. We'll go to Kirby Lane and have breakfast for dinner. Whatever that is, like, what's a reward? If it's just stay out of my business, I need to focus now. That's a true statement. But like, how do we align things for each other? Um, is a bigger hack for me. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and get their permission and get them, because... It's amazing how much kids will love, like my kids love pointing out when I'm multitasking, right? They love it. They get to get me and have empowered them. You know, you can empower people in your world to kind of say, call you about, hey, shouldn't you be working right now? Didn't you say this was really important time? But you have to give them that authority.
0: So I'm going to go around the horn and put you on the spot. What is one thing from this episode, talking about pitfalls that listeners can take away and start implementing tomorrow?
2: We're all looking at you, Chris. We're putting you
0: <laughs> on the spot. We're, we're,
2: am I looking at me too? Uh, wow, that, that's a great question. And I, I, I think it's it's really if you could take one thing away from, in in my opinion, it's have a, a methodology and a framework to stay focused on where you want to go. Okay, good takeaway. Yeah, for me, it's always the foundation.
1: If I'm not clear about where I'm headed, like everything else is kind of secondary. So my reminder, and it's one of the reasons I've given myself over to this process and I allow other people to hold me accountable, is I want to make sure that I've got as much perspective as I can. Have I picked the right goal and am I going to the right destination?
0: I think my key takeaway is still, you know, just block all your time when your boss is busy.